freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man of doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Yes, hello. It is the Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app as well. Plus all those podcast platforms, wherever you may find them. Hopefully you did yesterday. I got to uh, use one of those podcast platforms yesterday to go back and listen to the end of the show with my uh, daughter and my mother yesterday. My mom was on a plane when Cecily was here uh, crushing me on Ranked. and think you're uh, allowed back without her now. I know. She's pretty good, huh? What's going on? Where is she? Well, she's sleeping. Uh, she's, I think, maybe a little bit exhausted after the full day yesterday and uh, going to the derby last night. I think she was a little surprised and overwhelmed by some of the people that came over to be like, wow, you were really great on the radio this morning. You know, at some Aww. point, Justin, we saw you on uh, on the TV cameras in there uh, on the yeah. t- on the screens. And I was like, hey, look, there's Justin. She got all excited having just you know seen you earlier that morning. And she's like, wow, that's really crazy that he can talk in front of all of those people at the same time. That's exactly what you just did. That's what I said. I was like, you realize that you were potentially talking to, you know, six or seven people this morning. No, it's like you were talking to a lot of people this morning. And she just kind of like gave me the wide eyed like, really? So, yeah, that was. Uh, her. It does feel different when. I'm not looking at everyone. By the way, I totally agree. I can do this every day. I don't think twice about it. Doing what Justin does down at the park, what Ashley does, I would freak out about that. That is not something I would feel comfortable with at all. You Just, don't have a problem talking in front of groups. Is it the camera that you don't like? I don't know. Just that, No, I don't even really like talking in front of big groups. Like I, I don't know. I like this. Okay. I like sitting here doing this and that that kind of you know takes me out of my comfort zone a little bit uh you guys are great at it g's great at it uh calabro is great at that Thank i mean you. they're just certain people around that really come to life in that uh energy and i am i am not one of those people but anyway cecily had a great time last night there were not as many kids around as i thought there would be but ultimately phenomenal night at the ballpark totally unique experience I think that's what what really kind of blew me away about the evening. I've been to I don't know how many baseball games. I've been to World Series games. I've been to, you know, been to spring training games, playoff games, regular season games, rivalry games, games in great sports towns, games in not great sports towns. Like kind of been to all different types of baseball games. I've never been to anything like that with such a bizarre, unique energy. Yeah. I really liked it. We were trying to think about something. Me and a couple of guys yesterday were trying to discuss the parallel of any other sport. Would it be like a dunk contest? Yes. Like, that is that is the parallel. Is that the only one? Because yes. football has his skills and whatever. Not lame. And it's just silly and it's yeah. the Pro Bowl and it's whatever. Like it's got to just be the dunk contest. It's the dunk contest. Yeah. Yes. There. There. I think that would probably be the one thing. You know, the three point and dunk contest. They do them together, right? I don't know if they still do. They sure. even do the three point I, contest honestly, anymore. I don't know. But that, but also the fans don't get to have as much like participation in that because it's raining baseballs in the outfield. So like your your attention has to be different. That's true. But I think the dunk contest gets the oh like it gets people out if, every time somebody does something incredible and you see all the other players jumping off the bench and stuff like yeah. that. So. Yeah. So on the same level as far as like other athletes take notice of that feat. Yes. Like, oh my God, I can't believe what this person's capable of. 
Kevin yeah. Durant and Patrick Mahomes yeah. getting Julio Love last night. But same with the dunk contest. It's cool to see other athletes like, whoa, I can't believe you just did that. Well, and Julio certainly put on a show, man. I mean, it was it was a really fun night. I wonder how fun it would have been had Julio not been in it. Seriously. like, And I loved it. I absolutely had a blast last night. And I will tell you, you know who my new second favorite player or favorite non-Mariner is in the game is Randy Rosarena. Like, there's just something about that guy, awesome. his look, his smile, his attitude, his confidence, the way he hits the ball. Like, he is very clearly right now my favorite player in the ba- in baseball that does not play for the Mariners. I love him. Absolutely adore watching him. And if the Mariners don't make the playoffs, I think I'm going to be rooting for the Rays to win just because of him. Like, huh. he just seems awesome. Yeah. He was he he came right next to me with his boots and he's carrying his kid. Yeah, I didn't realize by the way, like I was so close to them, I got to see the custom embroidery at the bottom of the boots. Wow, it has his little image on it. Cool. I'll show you in the break. But well, he had his daughter out on home so plate with him likeable. and stuff. Yeah, and just him and uh, Adolis Gar- uh, Adolis Garcia kind of mean mugging each other, which was clearly a joke. I don't. know. I just I liked the whole thing. I thought it was great. But without Julio there, I think it might have lacked some of the energy. Man, did he ever energize that building and the entire night. There is just, yeah, he, he Brock said, I, you know, I got to give my guy credit. He's going to, you know, be in at seven o'clock, but I got to give Brock some credit now. And maybe I'll even say it to his face when he's here. He absolutely nailed it over a year ago when he said that the thing that makes Julio different is connection. He connects with people. He connects with his teammates. He connects with his manager. He connects with his coaching staff. He connects with the city. He connects with his opponents. He connects with people who don't play the game but are athletes and famous in other ways. He is absolutely a connector in a way that I don't remember ever seeing or hearing anybody. I mean, he just, he was out of control last night. Rodriguez left center, 25. There goes 26 for Rodriguez, a low liner. 27 annihilated to left. Rodriguez got under this one. 20 seconds. Fly ball left center. Will it have enough? It does. 28, Rodriguez. Another deep drive to left. Second deck, 29. 10 seconds for Rodriguez. Another missile to left for Julio. Five seconds, deep drive, left center going. Rodriguez unloading again. 32 for Julio Rodriguez and 60 seconds of bonus time coming up. Yeah, that was before he even had his bonus time and everyone's like, oh my God, he's done what (laughs) nobody else has even done already and the crowd is just kind of losing its minds. And the crowd, you can hear him starting to chant here at T-Mobile Park as he takes his timeout. 135 to go. He's at 14. There was at one point they were kind of doing the We Will Rock You drum beat, right? And people started chanting Julio to it. And you could see Julio as he was kind of walking down into the tunnel, kind of clapping along to it with his... I mean, I just can't really think of too many athletes that feed off the crowd in that back-and-forth element quite like Julio. I mean, maybe there are some basketball players, and if I really thought about it, I guess I'd probably come up with some, because basketball's so intimate, right, with the crowd. It's funny that that's been the big comp today, but hey, he's always, Magic Johnson's always kind of been my my Julio comp. He does have that back and forth, like, element with the crowd 
that you just generally don't get much in baseball. And you could see it a little bit yesterday with David Ortiz there. He had a little of that when he played and obviously his his flair for the big moment and the dramatic and you know coming through in the clutch all of those times, but you know there's there's definitely a comp with David Ortiz and Julio. I think Ortiz is just so naturally funny and kind of goofy whereas whereas Julio is He's still a puppy. He's pure. Yeah. Right? He's much more clean cut than Ortiz. And, you know, it's just it's a different vibe. But that same ability to understand the moment, to react with the fans, to go back and forth, to capture people's attention and imagination, it, it's really remarkable. And I, I will tell you, we're doing a five-hour show today. Okay? We're on now. We're going to be on until 11 o'clock, something about when Bump and Stacy can get into the studio at the ballpark because they're going to be down there today and baseball needs them not there. Until, anyway, we're going to be here until 11 o'clock. Then they're going to be at the studio and Wyman or at the ballpark as are Wyman and Bob leading all into the into the all-star game tonight. And uh, if we do five hours this morning, I'm going to guess like four and a half of those hours is going to be about Julio. <laughs> As the kids say, he is him and it is his moment. Yeah. I mean, like, and 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 that doesn't mean all of it is going to be 100% fawning because I think there's a little bit of frustration of like, okay, could you do this in the season? He's not having a great season. He's not. He's not having a terrible season. But he's not having a great season. But it's such a reminder of what this dude is capable of. And I can't help but get my hopes up now for the second half after seeing him just learn and relearn maybe how to connect like that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it's a lot easier when the ball's in the strike zone than when people are throwing you high and tight and hard and, you know, soft and away low, low and away soft. There you go. That's what I was looking I for. I you guys know what I'm talking about. But. I, I don't know. Maybe something just unlocks what he's capable of again, because there are very few in the game who can do it. So we'll be talking a lot about Julio over the course of the morning. We'll have Jeff Passan in studio at, I think, 830, maybe earlier than that. I don't know, man. You're going to have to be flexible today. It's just one of those days you got to roll with it. Things could change. Things could uh, be moved around. You just don't know. It's the Derby. It's the All-Star game. That's how we roll here on Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, for the second straight year, Julio Rodriguez participated in and did not win the home run derby. But for the second straight year, he won the night anyway. 41 home runs in the first round. That was a record. 41 homers. That's the most ever hit in any round. By a competitor in the home run derby. The previous record, Vlad Jr. had 40 in 2019 in his semifinals. It's hard to imagine someone doing better than that, but it's, you'd have to hit. I mean, he hardly missed. He had 41 <laughs> home runs. I don't know how many pitches were thrown, but there was very few balls that didn't go out of the yard. I was actually kind of curious about that. I wanted to see the number of swings versus number of home runs because when he was in the middle of it, it was just like, oh my God, every one of these balls is tattooed. It was just like one right after another. And we've seen kind of displays like that. If you go way back in the All-Star game and, you know, remember watching Mark McGuire do it at Fenway Park in 99, right in the middle of, you know, steroid mania and all that different format so the rounds were different but I mean those guys it felt like just repeating the same thing over and over and over again 
Julio was going off yesterday, and it was really fun to watch. That was the opportunity, basically the first opportunity that I had. I was I wanted to live in the moment and kind of be able to give a show to the Mariners fans. And he absolutely did that. Unfortunately, I think the kind of took a toll on him because he had to come out and do it again and while he certainly wanted to and the crowd was hyped for him he didn't have nearly as much in the second round and just kind of give my all and for that second round i was just <sighs> but yeah it was fun it was fun i feel like your your mind is there but your body is not that's <laughs> the best way to explain it <laughs> Yeah, he manages 20 in the second round. He falls to Vlad Jr., who goes on to defeat Randy Arozarena and become the first son of a Derby champion to become champion himself. Pretty cool story, and it's cool to see. Have you seen uh, all the pictures of Vlad Jr. out on the field with his dad 16 years ago? It's crazy that that was only 16 years ago. Anyway, Julio was just great. Crowd was electric for him. He played into it. Unfortunately, he ran out of gas. Maybe it's for the best. Maybe it just helps him stay safe and not hurt and keep his back in good shape and didn't have to swing any more than he did. But he uh, certainly won the night, even if he did not win the Derby. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the draft continued yesterday. uh, The Mariners made eight more selections a day after focusing on high school bats. They spent a whole bunch of their picks yesterday with college arms to go with a few more athletic young players as well. The most intriguing name on that list, probably third-round pick Teddy McGraw. Big right-hander out of Wake Forest. Missed all of last year due to Tommy John surgery, but has a big, big sinking fastball. Tons of upside. If he can return to form, he was a really good pitcher his sophomore year. And so, of course, the draft will finish up later today. You got to imagine Jerry DePoto is busy. Didn't see him last night. He wasn't out on the field like Scott Service was, but I would imagine that Jerry was spending some of this week talking to some of his compatriots around the game. Same with Justin Hollander as we drift closer and closer to that trade deadline. And the players the Mariners add with one more uh, day of the draft today. All of those things factor in to what they feel comfortable trading, what they feel comfortable dealing as they think about how a second half run looks for this team. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, after uh, all of the festivities, all the fun, all the pomp and circumstance, the All-Star Week experience will finish up tonight with the actual All-Star game. It feels like, uh, you know, we've had so much already, but this is the whole reason that everybody is here. Julio, pretty excited for it. I'm really excited because I know they're going to keep bringing the energy and I know how, how this fan base is. So I'm, I'm excited to see them again tomorrow. As he should be. Here's what the lineups look like. Marcus Simeon leads off of the American League. Then Shohei, Randy Rosarena, who we talked about earlier, Corey Seager, Yandy Diaz, uh, Adolis Garcia, Austin Hayes, Josh Jung, and Jonah Heim. My God, could they have a harder lineup to say? I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Now I don't even want to read the National League, guys. Hopefully this will go better. Uh, They go with Acuna and Wright, then Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Nolan Arenado, Luis Arise, Sean Murphy, Corbin Carroll, and Orlando Arcia. Corbin Carroll. Yeah, how about that? I was a little surprised to see that after local his. guy. I know, but did you see last week? I know, yeah, he hurt was, himself, right? My in my first thought was, oh no, his home, his local All Star yeah. game, and and he's in the line. He's still in there, yeah. Much easier to pronounce that uh, particular 
yep. group. Yeah, I don't know. Something about a Rosarina captures my attention. And Adolis Garcia is on that list as well. I know he plays for Texas, so I'm supposed to hate him or something, but I don't. I find him to be very intriguing and fun to watch. Uh, there is just... You know, something about a guy built like that, exactly. right? I mean, like most baseball players are not built like Garcia. He's an action figure. He's a he's a safety. Mm-hmm. That is what an NFL safety looks like. Stout. He is so strong. Yeah. I mean, just you don't see a lot of guys who are who were built like that in that manner and just able to tattoo the ball the way he does. And so I was pretty cool watching him and Rosarena and some of their back and forth. It was great watching all the players with their kids last night. I don't know how many times I saw a kid get rescued as they started charging out onto the field, uh, seeing the players all ask for uh, the balls from uh, from from the guys who were throwing batting practice and then just like using them all to play with their kids like that's just you know those are those are really cool things to see i love how justin you were up close to them what were those little couches like that they had set up for the players they were nice yeah yeah i i saw them when i first got to the ballpark they're covered up in tarps you know to keep them nice and clean or whatever and i was like oh maybe it's just like some like the you know cheaper ikea you know snap together furniture and i got up close like these are actually really nice they like nice leather (laughs) like white leather yeah uh, like chrome metal, um, cool hardware on them. I was like, ah, oh, these are pretty cool. And I was, they had little side tables for everybody. And uh, I was, I was sitting right behind Dusty Baker for most of it. And he had his coaches, you know, his whole coaching staff right, right there. And I can't remember which one of the pitchers it was for the Astros who had, had their daughter or his daughter with them. And she was one that needed to be rescued constantly. Yeah, I saw that. I actually <laughs> saw that was on the first base side, right? Yeah. yeah, I saw some of that. That was pretty funny. What and like, um, Everybody's helping. Like every player is kind of like, oh, nope, let's go this way. It's good to see the human version of any the interaction between Dusty's group and Scott. They were right. Group? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, saw they were right near each other. Yep. Yeah. Um, Scott was obviously getting a lot of attention from, you know, everybody because he was standing at the end of the dugout where people yeah. were walking in and out. So he was getting a lot of people talking to him. Uh, so at some point he probably got fed up with it and walked out and stood next to the cameras. So he I saw him, though. That's when I saw him because I was sort of sitting behind that direction. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. He he and a couple of I, I, again, I wish I knew their names for some of the Astros coaches that were, mm-hmm. were with Dusty. We're chatting for a while. Good. Well, that's interesting. Uh, he answered your question yesterday and said that. Scott told him he should use his office, and he he said that he didn't feel. I like saw it. that, yeah, that there was a little back and forth about that. So good, yeah, stay out. But Scott offered, yeah, the that's office. not yours. You stay out of that office. Right. Uh, you go go hang out somewhere else. <laughs> all right, uh, let's see. Coming up, we're going to go around the station yesterday. Lots of good stuff from all of the various baseball folks who are in town uh, for the Derby and for the festivities tonight. So we'll have some reaction to that. Plus. I heard a little Scott service sound while I was gone. I can't believe this wasn't a bigger deal than what I heard. Wow. We're going to play this for you guys coming up here in the next 20 minutes. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Did you hang with Junior last night, Justin? I did get to see... Ken Griffey Jr. a little bit. What's that like? No big deal. Yeah, not a big deal. It's pretty cool. I played it cool. I got, well, since I was wearing this obnoxious white satin jacket that was sent to the... Oh, yeah, no, I saw the jacket. Yes. It was very sick. By the way, the amount of times people came up to me and were like, I'm going to need that. Where'd where'd you get it? Like, people (laughs) that were on the field who were like, wanted it from me. Really? I was like, yeah, sorry. It's... uh, 
It's mine. It's, yeah, it's mine. <laughs> here's the here's the brand. I don't know what to tell you. When you say people that were on the field, you mean like players? Players, coaches, handlers. Really? Like, I need one of those. Wow. <laughs> I know. And I was like, I thought I was just getting made fun of for it, but people liked it. Funny. Uh, I was so... I came down after I did uh, one of the announcements, whatever it was, and I had to get out of the way of the, all these cameras, you know, like actual cameras, TV cameras. The sets were all over, and people are like, hey, you're in the back of a shot. You got to move. So I'm running to try to find a safe place to be for a minute before I have to do my next hit. And I'm kind of crouched down in the middle of the players in front of the couches, mm-hmm. and Griffey's sitting there with this big camera. And I happen to be wearing my Griffey shoes, so he looks over at me like – Kind of looks looks at my shoes, like looks up at me and gives me the like the nod, the like you're wearing my shoes, and like kind of like does the like two two fingers to the eyes and looks down. Oh, and I slid over and was like, "Hey man, I only break them out for really special occasions." Wow, so, and he's he like reached out, shook my hand, goes, "I like it." <laughs> I just knelt down next to him for a while. It's like, I need to be out of the way of all these cameras. You knelt, oh, next to him. You didn't like kneel down in front of him. I sat on his lap. You started praising the Lord. Basically (laughs) sat down uh, like that. And then a couple people that I knew who were there texting me like, are you just casually hanging out with Griffey on the field? I was like, yes, I am. Yeah. So then I get out of the way. I go move to another place. He moves his camera too. And I end up chatting with uh, one of the Astros coaches. It ended up being Brian Hunter. And so we talked for a few minutes and he goes, yeah, you know, I came here in 99 and Griffey came up to me. And he's like, Hey, I know you play center field, but you're gonna have to pick another position. And he's, it's the first time I've ever in my life been like, if I'm going to move positions for anybody on earth ever, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Right. <laughs> and so Griffey sees this interaction happening, looks over at me and does the like, like the don't believe anything kind of face. <laughs> like, just don't, like, nah, like don't listen to him. Then Griffey comes back over and just chats up on her for a while. So it yeah. was this weird, I just, I'm just waiting for someone to be like, hey, what are you doing here? You should leave. You don't belong on this field. And uh, I just got to hang out with those guys for like most of the derby. How, uh, how, what was their reaction to Julio? Oh man. On the field. Cause you get to be the center of where all those chants are being mm-hmm. heard. It was like a swirling cacophony. Like it was deafening. And the cool, like we were talking about the players reacting to the home runs. It was really cool to see because I was where the coaches were. So Baker and Service looking at each other doing the like, holy smokes. Wow. Like Dusty Baker was beside himself during Julio's thing. And a couple different times, Scott came over and said something to him. Uh, J.P. Crawford came out and talked to Baker for a little bit Mm because he was in the dugout. I saw J.P. there. And Baker like pulled him close and like said something into his ear and cracked J.P. up and then pointed out at Julio. I was like, okay, that must be a – don't do this against that type <laughs> conversation. But it, that that uh, that access was nuts, and the little kid version. Of me, though, I mean, I would say that one of the only reasons that I'm into baseball, which is probably true, and one of the only reasons that I live in Seattle is because of baseball, was because of Griffey. So, like, if so facto, mm-hmm. here I get to be, and that it was just such a cool special moment for, oh, for good, the kid man. version of me man you've had quite a couple of years uh, between the your friends getting you to the super bowl and hanging now with griffey out in the home run derby field I feel like i'm cashing in everything <laughs> <laughs> it's been uh it's pretty 
pretty good run for you it over the course cool. of these last yeah. few. Awesome, man. Well, we're going to hear more Justin's behind-the-scenes stories over the course of the morning. Uh, Brock will be in at 7. We'll have uh, we'll have Jeff Passan in at some point today, at least at 8.30 and, and possibly longer than that. I'm still not entirely sure what his uh, what his schedule looks like. And uh, we're going to 11 today. We're doing a little extra hour. Uh, as It's a long story. You don't care. Anyway, that's what we're doing. And then Pump and Stacy will take over at 11 o'clock. Let me go around the station. Speaking of Bump and Stacy, they spoke to Buster only yesterday, and he had some pretty interesting thoughts, including this one on where the Mariners are at. That, yeah, it has been wildly disappointing. Their offense is not close to what uh, I think people thought it was going to be, and I'd say this too, and I don't mean to be rainbows and sprinkles and, and glass half full person, uh, but I, I do think that they demonstrated last year that you can make it happen in one half of the season. They're not out of it, in part because the teams that they're chasing to get back into it, they've had their challenges, too. The Rangers finished the first half really slowly. You know, the Astros are without Altuve for now. Jordan Alvarez has been hurt, of course. The Yankees are having so many problems uh, that they just fired their hitting coach. You know, so up and down, the, the Blue Jays have, have had some inconsistency. So while, yeah, they're behind and they've got to turn it around, they showed us last year that it can be done. So I, I, I think, you know, the first couple of weeks are going to be absolutely crucial for them to, to sort of begin to, to write the ship. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with everything that I heard there from Buster, which is, again, it's not sunshine and puppies and lollipops and everything else sweet to say that the Mariners are still in it. Of course, they're still in it. They're, they're four games back in the wild card with half a season to play. They're only six games back in the division. That's not even very much, honestly. Six games with still a few to play against Texas. Yeah, I mean, I mean that injuries is the AL West right now. Yeah, that is that is not necessarily. Shannon was arguing on Friday, and Stretch was having trouble believing it that she she actually thought that Texas was probably going to be easier to catch at this point than like waiting for some of the other AL teams. I don't. Wild card race to I don't know that I disagree. I mean, look, I've been sort of low man on Texas throughout the year anyway. Maybe I don't believe in them as much as others. But we're starting to see it. Now, maybe they get hot again, and, and their offense is very strong. And, you know, today they're all going to be in the All-Star game, so it's going to look as if Texas has had the greatest first half of all time. And a few weeks ago, when the voting was going down, they were. Now they're not. Right? I mean, they were super hot. That's baseball. Sometimes good teams struggle. Sometimes bad teams go on streaks. Sometimes it takes 162 games to sort all that out, and we do the All-Star game halfway through, and you get sort of a distorted view of what a team is going to look like. So, yeah, I, I actually would probably agree with Shannon. I mean, you're, I, I don't think you're going to track down Baltimore. That looks like an excellent baseball team that is going to win the you know top wild card and kind of go from there. Yeah. After that, it's Houston, it's New York, it's Boston, and it's Toronto. And that's a that's a tougher tougher tale. I think Houston's going to continue to struggle. I, I don't know that I'm sold that the Astros are where they need to be. And I know we heard people yesterday texting me like, "Oh, well, they're just hurt." Well, they're hurt for a reason. They're old, right? I mean, like sure. I, I, that's why they're hurt. Well, Altuve is what thirty three. Altuve is an older player who's been beat up, right? And all the extra games that they've played. Alvarez is only twenty six. Alvarez, I'm not putting in that category, but Brantley, I'm absolutely putting there. And there's somebody else that has been hurt. You know, they've had some other injuries, right? Obviously, uh, some pitching injuries, et cetera. But that is part of yeah. the game. Yeah. And the Mariners are missing Robbie Ray and the Mariners are missing uh, Marco Gonzalez. I mean, like, you know, 
Mariners bullpen looks pretty darn good, and they've got Montero struggling there. That's right. So, I mean, like, that is some of baseball. I mean, like, that that's kind of how it goes. Texas, oldest team in the game. So, they haven't had a ton of injury problems yet, right? Obviously, they've got the big one with, with, uh, with DeGrom, but they've not really been beset with injuries yet. Let's wait and see what happens. They're an older team. Could the Mariners catch them? Yes. Absolutely they can. Are they going to? I don't know. Who the heck knows? I mean, that's the fun thing about baseball is we get to wait and kind of find out. Speaking of who the heck knows, more from Buster only this time on where Shohei Otani is going to be playing next year. Nobody knows the answer to that question. Well, I think the the favorite within baseball circles are the Dodgers uh, because they, they, they cleared their payroll. You know, unlike the last time when Otani uh, was available and he chose the Angels, the Dodgers now have access to the DH. It's in Southern California. They obviously have a, a history of winning. Um, a lot of people wonder about the Padres making a huge offer. They wanted him the last time. They've been spending money like crazy. The Met, the richest owner in baseball is the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, who you know is going to be all in. Uh, yeah. People have mentioned the Giants. They've mentioned the Mariners. Uh, here's the thing, and I agree with this general manager who said this to me. If anybody pretends to know what Shohei wants, full of garbage (laughs) so yeah nobody knows (laughs) but i think embedded in there is a really good point that i you know i'd sort of forgotten about and and good on buster for bringing it up again the last time we had shohei otani sweepstakes the national league teams were at a significant disadvantage the last time you're right right yeah the last time shohei chose which was when he went to anaheim they didn't have access to the dh And so he knew what he wanted to do and what it was going to take. And the fact that, you know, it was unreasonable to ask him to play the outfield every day and all those things. So I I think that that the Dodgers and Giants both have an incredible, incredible edge that they didn't have the last time. I think he's going to go play for the Dodgers. I don't know that. I'm not working on any information. I just I think he likes it from what I've heard in Southern California. He doesn't have to move very far. And instead of going to play for an awful organization, he's going to go play for one of the best in the game. If I had my choice of playing for one of the worst organizations or one of the best, I don't know about you. Most people seem to want to choose the best. Yeah, it seemed like if you're if that's correct, and you're right earlier about not being able to play in the National League the first time we made this choice, it was like, well, I just want to be in L.A., so that leaves me one option. Right. The other thing with with, with L.A., and I guess San Francisco to that point, also they both have very good fan bases, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to what he's been dealing with for the last few years. I mean, the Angels fans stink. That's not a good fan base, right? I mean, like, they're not. it's not like if he brought a championship there, he'd be honored for I mean, like, they're Angels fans. They barely care about baseball. <laughs> Right. I mean, like I was just in Orange County last week. That's not a a thing. We drove by the big A like there's nothing there. That's that's not baseball. You go to Smith went on a rant while you were gone about this. Stephen Um, A. Yeah. Yeah. I would have pulled the sound if you were here because I thought of you immediately. He's right. (laughs) That's just not a baseball fan base. I'm not saying they don't have fans. Of course they do. But they're not they're not into it. I mean, when you're in L.A., the Dodgers have baseball fans. Mm-hmm. The Angels have people that live in Orange County and are sometimes like lost on their way to Disneyland. Like it's just a different attitude. And Giants are sort of the same way. There's a lot of Giants. I mean, that's a a a, a fan base that has supported that team forever and ever, and has seen superstars and knows what it's like, and had Barry Bonds, and you know, been to World Series, won World Series, just different. 
and I and I would say that if you come to, you know, I know there are people right now saying, well, then why would he ever come to Seattle? I don't know whether he will or not. I think the Mariners are at a tremendous disadvantage going up against the Dodgers, going up against even the city of New York, if he has any interest in that, and either of those two teams, and I'll put the Giants there also. But I think the Mariners have one thing. It's the only thing to me that would help you really land Shohei because the money's probably going to be fairly even all the way around unless the Mets go nuts. The only way to lure Shohei is that you've got to convince him of essentially three things. One, you have a chance to win. Two, you have a fan base that really cares. And three, if he does it, he will be a legend here forever because this sounds this this city's never won. Yeah. That would that to me would be the the pitch. You'd have to give him all the business stuff. I mean, like, you know, obviously the, all those things happen as well. But to me, that's that's the the baseball pitch to Shohei Otani. We got a chance to win. We've got a fan base that cares and an organization that is functioning. And if you win here, it'll be unlike winning in any of those other places. Oh, cool. You won in New York with the Yankees? Guess what? You're not Babe Ruth. You're not Derek Jeter. Oh, you won with the Mets? Okay. I mean, it's been a long time, obviously, but they've won, right? I mean, you get the 86 Mets are one of the most legendary teams of all time. Oh, you want to go to San Francisco? Cool. They've won three World Series in the last 25 years. All right. You want to go to the Dodgers? They won a World Series like two years ago. Cool. All right. You're great. You're interesting, but so was Mookie Betts, and so was this, right? I mean, like, to me, if you want to be unique, completely set apart, it's come to Seattle. You get an opportunity to do what Ken Griffey Jr. never did, what Ichiro never did, right? What Felix never did. Nobody here's ever won it. Hmm? Show up. Win it here for the first time. You will they will make statues. True. I'm, you you will have a statue outside. I want I want to I want to know That's the pitch. Fair. And I'm and, and you're right on the business side. Give him everything else that he would that would ever comes with the the Shohei Tani. Of course. Experience. Wonder if the what you're saying like hey you're behind you're never jeter you're never whatever does that matter like does that really matter to a guy who doesn't really seem to want to be the look at me guy i don't know but i would think winning in a place where no one's ever won would matter to somebody Uh, yeah it would matter to me i never heard a lot of athletes say it but i think that they just Nobody's like given them that idea in order to like yeah it's like you're get the, them to think about nobody it. Nobody else has been to the mountaintop. That's yours. It will always be yours. Yeah, I well, suppose. Jamie Crawford kind of said something along those lines before they made the playoffs. Like he's like, we'll be remembered here in this city. He's right. If we will be, if we can be the ones. There's to- nothing like being the first. It's why I always love what Baker Mayfield said that about Cleveland. Like, hey man, if I win here, it's different than you know winning in any other town because they haven't done it. Yeah. So I I I hope somebody can make that point to show. Hey, I don't know whether it would be enough. I don't know if that sways him. You know, like Buster said, anybody who knows what's going on in his head or says they do is a liar. Yeah. So yeah. you know, we'll see where it goes. But that'll be a very interesting conversation. Yeah. People said that about this for the winter. Joe Burrow thing too. It's like, hey, you could be the first one to take this t- poverty franchise and do something with it. Yeah, has like has he has he won yet? <sighs> Not yet. He's come close. I know. I'm just saying. Came very very close. That's true. All right. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Oh, I said I wanted to play some of this Scott service. You guys want to hear? Should I wait for Brock on it? No, I'll play it now. We'll play it for Brock again later. So are you guys, 
didn't tell me about this while I was gone. This is very interesting. So today is big time Julio Day, right? We're talking a lot about what he did last night and, and at the Derby. I mean, again, didn't win, but owned the night. It was him. The, the crowd basically only cared about Julio, his ability to connect and the back and forth with the crowd, all of it. All of the the accolades he was getting from his peers and coaching. It was amazing. Truly awesome to watch. But let me take you back in time exactly, what, a week? Basically, July 3rd, so almost just over a week. This was Julio, or rather Scott, talking about Julio and some of the adjustments that he's made, but maybe more some of the adjustments he's needed to make. Talk to players, you try to explain to players, you try to show them the numbers and the game and the video and everything else. Just comes a time it has to be the want to. And uh, I thought he made some good adjustments today. He stayed in the middle of the field. Even the ball he pulled at the end for the RBI single, he's trying to go to right center field, so he's staying on that ball, and good things happen. So, again, uh, who is a very young player? He's going to have ups and downs. Um, he's had some struggles this year. Um, and you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I know teammates are trying to help him out, coach staff trying to help him out, and uh, you know, he needs to be open to those things because when he is, it's an electric player. It really is. Huh. Well, that's kind of interesting. Very yeah, interesting, in yeah, fact. Very. He's incredibly talented. He's had his struggles this year. He's very young. That's to be expected. Everyone's offered some advice. And when he listens, it seems to work. Huh. There's, but the first five seconds, there's got to be the want to. There's got to be a want to. Now, I don't think that's a want to succeed or a want to work hard or anything like that. We know Julio's got that. It's a want to listen. And I, I think that's complicated. I don't think Scott's necessarily, I don't think I would use the phrase calling him out. I don't think he's calling out Julio. That sounds a little different. Okay. I don't think he's calling him out. And remember, this came after a good game, not after a bad game. And that's why maybe the sound gets buried a little bit and there's not a huge reaction to it. It's not like Julio went 0 for 5 and afterwards Scott's like, hey man, dude doesn't listen. Didn't happen that way. That's really important to remember as we kind of run through this conversation. It comes after a win. It comes after, or maybe, yeah, it comes after a win, right? It comes after Julio has a good night. Yeah. And Scott's saying, hey, look, when he listens, when he does what we're telling him to do, look what he's capable of. And there'll be more of it. It's not easy as a young player and you're finding your way and you're figuring out who to listen to and who has your best interest and who really knows what you're, they're talking about because you're getting a lot of contradictory advice. We heard a lot of that from Jared Kelnick last year and all the voices that were in his head, probably including his own. And finally, this year, he was able to clear that a little bit and, and have a much better season so far. It, that may be the case for Julio a year later, exactly the same age as Kelnick was last season. Right. I mean, like that may be what he's going through. And all of a sudden he's struggling now for the first time and trying to figure out who's the who's the best person and the best uh, advice to help get him out of it. But it's worth noting. I mean, we got to play you that sound. That's something you got to keep in the back of your mind. That's something we're going to remember that Scott Service has said now. Hey, you got to be willing to listen. Does that surprise you? Listen to. Well, I was going to play this sound for you from spring training when he told us the best advice he's gotten so far. Yeah. It was about setting boundaries. Right. And so I just wonder if it is a little confusing sometimes. Like, okay, I was told to set boundaries and not let everyone tell me all these things, but then I'm also supposed to listen to 
Well, yeah, and I think if Scott were here and he's not, I think he would say something like, "Well, yeah, some of the outside voices, but you got to you got to know who to trust. You got your hitting coach, meaning your personal hitting coach, and and absolutely Julio should trust him. You got your your coaching staff, and you got your your fellow players. I would think of them, and I think it's telling that Scott mentioned his teammates. Those are the ones that I think he's probably most concerned with. I don't think I read that as I keep telling him what to do and he won't do it. I read that as, hey, some of his veteran teammates have kind of gone to him and tried to talk to him and maybe help him sort of because it's not about like hand position or any of that. It's just the simple philosophy of trying to stay to right and right center. Because as you heard Scott say, when he does, he's on the ball and he hits it harder and farther. That's all. He's making more contact. Julio does not need any help hitting the ball hard. He just needs help making more contact. And it sounds like, you know, some of the guys around him have maybe had some of his best interest at heart uh, along those lines. Hey, one more. This is John Morosi from last week as well. I wanted to play this for you. This is John talking about what the Mariners could do in the next three weeks before the deadline. I wait a little bit. And then as I get a little bit closer, I ask myself, am I within a reasonable enough distance that making a play for a bat to help stabilize my lineup is reasonable if it's a rental. I totally agree. That's that's step one. You still aren't you're still not needed to make a decision. You don't have to make one for another couple of weeks. But then once it's decision time, who do you call? I would call up Baltimore and I would call up St. Louis. Because those are two teams that that have some young bats and need pitching both and for st louis's case it's much more about the future because they're they're going nowhere right now but baltimore needs a little bit more reliable pitching and they've got so much young talent now at the at the major league level so you look at you know they just called up colton Kowser today they've already called up westberg they've got gunner henderson how good of a prospect could the mariners peel away if they put logan gilbert in play and the same thing is true on the st louis side with tommy edmund and others That's the question I've got. And I think those are all worthwhile ideas to explore. Yeah, we saw yesterday that Chicago, the White Sox, are basically putting their entire team up for grabs. I've read that Nolan Arenado might even be available in St. Louis. So I don't know how far and how deeply the Mariners want to go. I don't know how how much help they think they need. And I don't know how much from the Major League roster they're going to want to deal. Again, I think some of that will be learned over the course of the next three weeks as we find out where they're at, what they do, how close they are, what to, you know Texas looks like, etc. They got a little bit of time left to try to figure that out. All right. Good conversation. Good stuff. Brock's going to be in here in a moment. And uh, we will talk through everything we saw last night. He used a word a few months ago. And the more I think about it, the more Brock was absolutely right. It is the one thing you need to know when it comes to Julio Rodriguez. And it's next on Brock and Salk.